Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. A new year beckons and with thoughts of spring on the horizon and the days gradually lengthening, now is an ideal time to focus your mind on the growing season that lies ahead. It's a time that can be filled with promise, plans and good gardening practice. So let myself and Saul entertain you with ideas for your garden, be it a compact courtyard or an estate with meandering acres. Horticultural principles remain constant whether your plot is large or small, so we hope that these episodes bring you the confidence, inspiration and reassurance to step out into your garden with enthusiasm. We'll also run occasional interviews with our gardening peers, giving insight into this multifaceted and fascinating industry. It's why myself and Lucy collectively have 45 years of professional horticultural dirt under our fingernails, and why we can't imagine our worlds without the joy and creativity gardening brings. If you want to be part of this journey, please do join us each week to look into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast. Uh, Saul is beaming at me and now he's pulling a funny face. What have I said? Sorry, no, I just pressed the wrong button and my text oh. went wrong, Lucy. Sorry, sorry. Oh my well, goodness. But, but you... Good evening, everyone out there. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> We are ever the professionals uh, at the Talking Heads. um, Is it it a podcast? Yes, it is a podcast. podcast, We do do sort of know what we're doing. Yeah, so um, whilst Saul sorts his technical blips out, and normally he's the technical guru, so this is a bit of a novelty, uh, I'd love to say good evening and um, thank you for listening. I have to say the other day I was looking at the Buy Me A Coffee comments, and I do this now and then when I feel a bit sad and lonely and on my own. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't happen very often, but I do like to read your comments and thank you so much because they do, we've said it before, but they do really lift our spirits and make us think when things go out into the ether, Mm. uh, to get that kind of feedback is so lovely. And we just did say before we pressed the record, um, isn't it nice that people don't leave negative comments? And then we worked out actually it's because it's the Buy Me A Coffee page where people are going to leave maybe a donation. So possibly they wouldn't leave a donation if they were miffed with us, would they? <laughs> so- if you want to pay to us, shut us up, we're quite happy yeah. for you to do that. That'd be great. We have agreed that. Yeah, that's, that was, that's an option. Please so. pay us to but shut there we us go. up. No, it is, yeah. it is nice. It's that time of year, isn't it? It's a bit grey outside. It's a little bit mm. the garden. Oh, although it is, it's just starting to wake up. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But um, yeah. you do need a little bit of a pick-me-up now and again. This is this is why it's nice to work in a team. You know, I, I, I know we're listening to by many solo gardeners and they find it a bit tricky at this time of year because they've got no one to bounce off you know when you're when you're in a river or you're i don't know cutting down laurel for the 50th day in a row or your chainsaw's broken or you know all these things that really are you is that all the personal stuff that's happened to you that's made you feel a maybe bit... <laughs> anyway yes yeah personally offloading here but it you know it's nice to have a few people around you to just keep your buoyant so uh Team working as a team in gardens very nice. I know solo gardeners can find it a bit tricky. So, fingers crossed if you're listening to this, it's and hang keeping on, a bit more buoyant. Hang on, what, 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 what? Well, I have a top tip, and it's one I've uh, learnt from my esteemed colleague, which is uh, Mr. Walker. So, if you're feeling a bit flat, uh, have yourself a bacon and cheese um, turnover slice. <laughs> turnover, that's it. Because I phoned you today at lunchtime, and yeah. oh my goodness, you sounded so excited because it was still warm, fresh from the retailer that you purchased it from. And um, I interrupted your, <laughs> your lunch, and uh, you were very excited about this uh, this this bacon turnover. So again, you know, yeah, listen to the Talking Heads podcast if you're uh, on, working on your own, or rely on the comforting um, properties of molten cheese and 
and bacon. Well, it's been cold, isn't it? Look, let's 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 be let's be thoroughly honest. It has been cold. I got to say, mm. this winter, I can't remember. I know we had 2018. We had the beast from the east, and it was a cold. I think that was either it was March, wasn't it? Maybe Feb. I can't remember. It was quite late in the season. It was. I think it was March. But it was only, uh, no, uh, late. It was late. Yeah, late, late, it was only two. On cusp, yeah. It was only really two days, maybe three maximum. We seem to have gone on for ages with this sort of cold weather. Uh, it's minus three at Stonelands today. That is pretty... That, for, for us down in the West Country, when we're in our shorts, you know, we can't get in trousers. When you're in your shorts, it's that was cold. And uh, it was beautiful, though. The, the You know, the lawns were covered in frost and the trees were all glistening and stuff. But... Um, but did you have your coat on? I've put... I, I had me... me me you know my jerking thing on i've got a jumper on i've got a jumper on um that's about <laughs> as close as it gets to me for getting warm exactly. but you need something warm at lunch don't you so that's why i had that but yeah the, i yeah I, I, this is an this has been an interesting winter because it sort of almost reset us in some ways i'm quite interested to see how uh garns suffer not sorry that's the wrong word how guns uh look in the spring because many of us have been sort of putting up with very mild winters and i think that has reflected in some of the plant choices and i just think this winter's just checked us slightly it has given us um something to think about because i think a lot of our guns are going to have suffered a lot of the plants that we sort of were planting because they were on that borderline haven't done well at all i must say some of my some of the things I've seen, that you know, aeoniums that people have had out for many yeah. years have all just turned up tail. You know, they're all crispy and black now. And echiums, you know, all these echiums that we had have all all, all gone. So it's been, yeah, the, 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 it's, the winter has gone back to what I would call more of a classic winter, especially the south. Well, I is... believe Scotland was 13 degrees today, whereas we were like minus three. I think it was minus eight in yep. Heathrow or something. Yeah, as you go inland, um, as you say, it got very, very mm. cold. Uh, Cambridgeshire was, uh, I think, minus six uh, last night. We, um, on the coast, we're right on the coast of Essex, and we only got down to, I think it was one degree. Actually, the first morning in about four or five mornings I've woken up and there hasn't been a whole frost or any kind of frost. There was nothing. So right. uh, that was quite unusual for us. But I, I do think that down in the West Country, as you say, you guys especially... Mm are always pushing those boundaries of tenderness. Mm. I'm quite excited to see what the blossom's going to be like this year because temperate plants, when they get chilled, they synchronise. It's called vernalisation and they actually, everything everything synchronises and the flower display should be really all all or nothing. It should be like a massive big load of blossom mm. as long as the summer drought last year didn't affect the, the buds being laid down because that's what happens with spring flowering plants. Their buds are laid down in the July, August, September and if they do get a drought stress, sometimes that can be impeded. So... That might have an effect, but I'm hoping for a really good blossom display in the spring of all these temperate, you know, like the peaches, the uh, the cherries, almonds, all that kind of stuff. So fingers crossed for that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to get back to what we used to be used to in synchronicity of all these things, you know, rather mm. than things flowering very early and thinking, oh God, are we going to have a frost and then they'll be gone? I think you're right. It'll also be interesting to see things like my wildflower meadow, to see some of the seeds that have had a proper frost now. Yeah. hopefully will germinate a little bit better than, say, a warm, soggy winter where they don't really germinate as well. So I think ups and downs, as there is always in gardening, we're going to have some things that are not looking so good, but then other things that I think will do a lot better this year. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like I said to Brian and Nigel today, who I work with, you know, we're only in January. 
we've still got February. You know, the beast from the East, like I say, was end of February, start of March. So we've still got a lot of winter to go through. But uh, having said that, there's things out there that are start. The garden does feel slightly like it's coming sort of alive. Bulbs are starting to appear. Yeah, all my um, winter aconites are flowering. Oh, really? So, and I was in the friend's garden the other day in the Cyclamen and Coom were looking stunning. Really good. I've got the hederofolium in my garden. I need to get some coom because it was yeah, like, it good. a real carpet, a real lovely carpet of that lovely hot pink colour that just lifts you, you know, mm. on those sunny, crispy days. Looking at that is a, is a real treat. So I, was, I had garden envy at that point. Well, that sounds nice. But yeah, I am looking forward to seeing how things are going. Now, you've mentioned buy me a coffee. We have one person to thank for this week. And I'm going to, this is another person that's not from the UK, so I'm going to mispro- mispronounce <laughs> their name in true Devonian style. It's Jugi. Jugi? J-U-G-Y. Any, she's from Sweden. I, I believe it's a she. There's another thing. Oh, I apologise if you're not a, 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 a she. You might be a he. Jugi, that sounds female to me. Anyway. I'm digging my. I've really got the spade out. I'm digging myself a hole. Do you know how I always leave this section to you? Have you noticed? Yeah, whenever it's a whenever it's a foreign person, I have to pronounce their name and really dig this hole. Anyway, uh, uh, she says or he says uh, they love listening to the podcast when they're in the potting shed, and uh, that is somewhere I've been a lot in the last few days. So uh, I, I love a good old pot. We cleaned out the potting shed. That's what we did today oh do you know that's satisfying isn't cleaned it cleaned out the potting shed yeah i gotta say there was some stuff building up in that <laughs> potting shed <laughs> was there? are we allowed to talk about the stuff or is it just um too disgusting to mention well it's just well yeah there's just bits isn't there bits of plants did you find any bits um, of animal that's always a bit disgusting. no oh good, you know, that's all right because that's the, that's the word we emptied the bin for the first time in probably a year and a half and we were convinced we there was some sort of rodent was going to jump out on us but it didn't happen but lots of bits of plants that i forgot you know you i know that people out there listening to us think that we we are the consummate professionals but uh, we, we are yeah what are you going to say hang on <laughs> Well, I was going to say, it's surprising how much stuff you start. Like, you take a load of cuttings, you take them to the potting shed, and then something distracts you, and then you forget about them, and then you come to them a year later. They're, they're all desiccated and horrible. They haven't rooted at all. You'd hope they root in a plastic bag, but they haven't. They're not trying hard enough, are they? But yeah, like old onion sets that you've... Oh, that's where mm-hmm. they went. <laughs> you know, the that kind that of thing. And the away that, with the tubers. The, that bag of tulip bulbs that is now just green mould in the corner, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, well, do nice. you know what? It sounds like you can obviously now see where you've been. And those jobs I do find immensely satisfying. Immensely. I've got, we've got outbuildings at the hall. We've got, I've got, as you mentioned the other day, I've got two potting sheds at home. Um, yeah. They accumulate all sorts of stuff just when you're in a bit of a rush or you've, you've, you've inherited something or you've been given something and, um, and you just need to put it somewhere out of the rain to keep it weatherproof. And, yeah, it's surprising. But when you've cleaned them and swept everything down and those workbenches looking nice and clear and all your packets of bits and bobs are all organised and, you you know, you've, you're on top of your game, your inventory's up to date, isn't that a sweet moment? When you've taken all the pots, separated them, they've all been in, they've all been in the corner and then you put them together in there, you know, and then you have stacks of them all ready to go and you're looking at them and you're thinking... Yeah, this is the season where I'm really going to give the propagation a good going at. But You've um, had a lot of rain in Devon, haven't you? I can tell. <laughs> so, we've had a lot of rain and a lot of frost. It's either been rainy or frost. Getting on the ground has been almost next to impossible. Have you but, cleaned your um, labels and sterilised your pots? No. Do you sterilise your pots? No, I don't now, actually, to be honest. We're, I we're opening, a, we're opening a, uh, a Pandora's box here because there's a lot of people who 
obviously clean out their pots. I don't because <laughs> I haven't got the time. But also, I don't, I'm not 100% sure it helps. I know people are saying it's all for disease management and stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. If you keep things too clean... You'd have to have a lot of disease, wouldn't you, I think, well, to, exactly. to, for your pots to be that riddled. Mm. I personally think that's... I do clean my labels, though. Do I, I do still have a lot of plastic labels because that's just what I bought mm. over the years before we all realised that plastic was a single-use plastic, I should say, was a bit of a dirty word in horticulture. So I do clean those down and I've got some labels that... Oh, here, yep. here we go. Sorry. Beautifully demonstrated. It's on my diet. desk. For our Zoom. Every gardener has a plastic <laughs> yeah. label somewhere. <laughs> We do. It's always just waving one about. But yeah, they can clean down really well and you can easily use them for oh, a decade or so. And then when they, eventually they do start going brittle. And I found that if you try and clean it with anything too abrasive, that can speed that up. So yeah. I try and just use a little bit of a wire wool these days. Oh, right. I use the back of my knife. It's probably not good for the knife, but you know. It must take ages. It does, but but I don't tend to do them all at once. I tend to do them as I need them. So you know, right. So I keep them in a big. I keep them in a big jar, and then as I need them, I take one out, and then I'll scrape it, and then I'll write the new thing. Do on you think it. We've, we're? Do you think so, we're delving far too deep into the modern, exciting world of the head gardener? <laughs> because I don't know if we're... Riveting, riveting content. I'm sure for some people that was a very exciting conversation. I'm sorry, we won't talk about labels anymore. We're done with labels. But the point is, is that we are uh, we are almost ready. I think we're almost ready for the new season. Um, well, actually, let's go on to what we're going to talk about tonight, because we're going to talk about our plans and what's going to happen in the next few months at our gardens. Now, I came up with this idea because I was talking to Brian today and I was saying, do you know, it's probably been about three years since I felt this ready for a season. If if we look back, well, if we look back, the pandemic sort of started at the start of 2020. And that's when I had to go into a bit of what I would call firefighting, because uh, it was just me for many months. We couldn't really get much done. People obviously trying to get hold of material and machinery was a lot more difficult. So really, for two years, the garden was literally in a, like a holding pattern. We were I, I basically I was trying to just keep it from degenerating any further and, and in some ways I didn't win in some battles and I won in others so that sort of ended at the end of 2021 and then 2022 really was getting uh, fighting all that stuff that I hadn't got to get it back so it feels like now we're in 2023 the garden actually looks like it did in 2019 it feels such a long time when you say these numbers and I'm now ready to actually put a full sort of garden season into action like the veg garden's ready the borders are ready things are just looking like I'm ready to go so that's what I was thinking I was thinking this year is the year where those plans that I'd thought of four years ago hopefully will start coming into fruition well I'm hoping anyway <laughs> I'm sure they will and you know what a nice feeling as well because um, as you say you've slogged away at that garden mm. and well done you for keeping it going as, as well as you can i'm sure it was you know it was a difficult task and alone mm. working as, you, as many of us know can be a bit you know you've got to dig deep and find oh sorry terrible fun but you do you have to find your own motivation from somewhere um so well done for that and then like i said that lovely feeling it was a bit like that mm. when, when i first took on the hall because there were some for me i felt there was lots of things that i could gradually renovate and bring round to how i wanted them to be because everyone's got their own interpretation of how a garden should be and that that I remember that being a very enjoyable process so I can I can completely get what you're saying there 
and yeah, like you say, you know, plans for the new season is exciting. I should um, say, and we d- we did discuss this before the podcast yep. that the the hall for me at the moment we're a bit in a sort of limbo state, and it's 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 sad um, because it's been bought about, it's been bought on by the sadly both the owners now have passed, which is a terribly terribly sad situation. So we are um, in limbo. So forgive me if I haven't got loads of active ideas for this year because we are literally just being told to sit tight and wait and see what happens for the moment but obviously you know there's loads of things that I've been doing on my own garden and stuff we've been doing in years gone by that I can still dig from the bowels of my brain and talk about well tell you what let's start with the first one that I think will ring with both of us in that I am finally after four years going to actually give the veg garden a proper going good going at (laughs) I'm actually going to lovely music to my ears <laughs> try and cultivate the whole garden have a whole year's plans worth of fruit and veg going in there plus the cutting garden which we haven't done for five years now the the flower cutting i should say um uh, brian's specifically going to take that on himself he seems to be very keen at it but I just I, I feel like we're at that that point and the, the nice thing about this is I've managed to sit down. We we sat down, uh, I think it was just before, um, or no, sorry, just after Christmas mm. when I was not feeling so uh, gardeny with with the COVID. And uh, we sat down and we've written a whole list and plan of the veg garden. And I think this is a great time to, and it doesn't have to just be the veg garden. I think any part of the garden, it's a great time just to plan out you don't have to go into the detail too much if you're not a details person. You know I'm not as much of a details person as Lucy. She's got these extensive lists. But just to get timings, sort of a, a rough idea of the plants you want to use and just have a feeling of which part of the garden and when you're going to sort of be working on them, I think gives you a really good outline of, especially at the start of the the season when things are just starting, you know, by the end of the season, you'll find things are thrown out of whack by all kinds of things, whether you you know, you've moved house, you know, yeah. like you said, things can happen on your estate that you, you didn't know was going to happen. But at least at the start of the year, I feel just having a, a rough sketch out of exactly how those plans are going to come out and just some things like rough dates, rough plantings, just rough ideas actually really helps. And this is a great time to do that as well especially since generally especially during this weather like i said that you can't really get on the ground and do much gardening that is the time to be in your potting shed in your garage in wherever your workshop and actually start making these plans yeah, no absolutely and i know for a fact that because uh, you and i both speak to head gardeners and gardeners up and down in various estates and the establishments i know that's been going on fervently the last couple of weeks mm. or so and um i've been doing this at home the, we are not going to be growing veg in the kitchen garden this year uh well for, for, for what we know at the moment that's what we've been we, we're doing and there's lots of fruit there's loads of fruit that we can keep on harvesting and, and training and pruning and, and working on so i'm looking forward to getting my teeth into that but my own garden uh so if i ever knew didn't grow veg in my own garden you realize that uh yeah <laughs> that would be a travesty you, you grow veg <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, ordering seed potatoes, onion sets, um, shallots, getting the seed plans sorted and getting the seeds in, like you say, getting them, getting the orders done. I, um, I, there's lots of people, like I said, that are making their orders at the moment for their for their um, homes and establishments. So that's a really exciting thing to do and very proactive and, and full of promise as well. And yeah, as you say, drawing a basic plan. I, I do 
practice a kind of like loose crop rotation at the hall. Um, but I must admit, I'm not massively strict on that unless I find that there is actually a specific problem that's come up, such as onion white rot or, say, um, carrot root fly or something that is going to be within the soil and is then going to be transferred from you know, from crop to crop because you're sowing a related crop into that, that old bed. Yeah. So so I try not to tie myself too much in knots. And I do speak to gardeners who I've got really in a pickle about crop rotations and, and trying to be very, very fastidious about them. And I would just say, don't hang yourselves up on them too much because they were actually developed for farmers, you know, not for people yeah. of a small, even for estates. They weren't for estates and small, you know, backyard gardens. They were developed for farmers growing tens, hundreds of acres, thousands of acres of one specific crop, monocultures. And it was all, you know, for crop yields and for health. So, um, yeah, bear in mind that that is what it was developed for. Uh, they're useful, but, but please don't tie yourself in knot with crop rotations because a lot of that is planning at the moment. Yeah, I, I find the good thing about planning is that though you might think it's boring... Uh, you might be doing the same thing every year. It's a good time to inject a little bit of excitement in, you know. New stuff. Uh, well, you, yeah, absolutely. And don't feel that you can put an extensive plan together and you don't have to follow everything for the year. But it's a good to have those ideas sort of percolating in the back of your head. Well, what, one of the things that I always like to do is add a few things in that I know we probably won't get to. But if I get the chance, I will give it, you know, give it a go. Um you know, last year, the weather was so unpredictable, you know, that things like mowing, we didn't have to do last year. So I gained about two weeks. And therefore, we could start on the rock garden. Now, that wasn't in the plan to do. Yeah. But I had the idea percolating. And we managed to start on it. Hopefully, we'll be able to crack on with it this year as well. But um, at least having those ideas at the start of the year gives you a chance to plan and have contingencies and plan B's as you go through yeah um now one of the specific things that i'm really quite interested in doing this year is getting our um one of our borders sort of sorted or, or what's the word rejuvenated i think that's there that's that's the nice. word. that's a that's nice, a nice that's yeah. a positive word one yeah. of the things i think can happen at many gardens especially historic gardens uh with stretch resources let's say that either staff wise labor wise or, or even budget wise is that borders that were put in and look great say for the first 10 years which is what ours are can start losing steam quite quickly um and what ha what tends to happen is some things dominate some things die off gaps start appearing or things get a little bit um monocultury what you know things start a great example for this border i'm thinking about is lycanthemum the shasta daisy it's very vigorous and it's taking over about a third of the border and though it gives you this nice white yellow daisy like flower that looks great at one point of the year then it goes over and you don't have much else so one of the things i want to do is, is get rejuvenating and that means getting some serious digging going on so uh we're going to try and take out a lot of the uh, herbaceous plants split a lot of splitting to be done uh, there's also a lot of shrubs in this border it's a uh, we we've already done the camellias we had a big spine of camellias down and i've given the i whacked those hard last year in preparation for this rejuvenation and actually they've even started coming back quite nicely but um we're gonna start and th what's exciting is is this is where you can start adding stuff 
you know you can start yeah getting your imagination going but also using the old stuff as well to blend it in so this this is where the artist in me comes out the creativity are you know this is where it's beyond this is where beyond machinery monkey or you know you know or watering or you know those those maintenance things this is where you can stand back and sort of start i start start stroking my beard that's this is that that's this is what happens <laughs> i lean on a rake start stroking my beard i start having all these wild ideas of dahlias and all kinds of things that would be new to me so i like that i like that mental image that you've put he actually strokes the beard i'd got to see it guys but um imagine saw now standing astride his uh, herbaceous borders stroking his beard to be honest i said i'm still going to do that at the hall this year because mm. we've got the hot and cold borders a massive big herbaceous borders and they're forever evolving and things like you say are thuggish and other things that we put in are more diminutive and they have to you have to help them hold their own and so um i'm not going to be putting money into the borders, I'm not going to be buying new stock. But saying that, herbaceous perennials are fantastic for lifting and dividing and splitting. So the things that are behaving badly and being too aggressive, I'm going to chop them all up, pop them up, yep. um, that kind of thing, because we could still you know, use them somewhere on the estate. That's free, they're free plants, so that would be a great mm. thing to do. And then the plants that are looking like they need a little bit of encouragement, literally just a lot of lifting them, splitting them, dividing them again, spreading them out a bit further – that's something like we can easily do. We're actually cutting the borders back a lot later this year than we would ever do because we've not got the kitchen garden sowing happening in the spring. Yes, because I thought, well, okay. You usually yeah. do them quite early. You do them a lot earlier Normally than me. We do them in the autumn. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots, lots earlier. And, and obviously, I do understand the whole concept of you know wildlife using the habitat for overwintering purposes. But then I do maintain that we've got a huge big woodland and wildlife plow meadow for that to go on. But this year, I thought, no, do you know what? Let's not cut them back just yet. Let's wait until, you know, March, you know, going in, into um, the, the season when things are starting to move and then cut them back. And then at that point, I'm going to lift and split and divide. As I say, we're not sowing lots and lots of veg for the kitchen garden because normally that's what dominates my workforce yeah. in the spring, which is why we cut back the borders in the autumn. So, you know, that in itself is a, is a different approach this year, which I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. But I, at the same time, I do need to make sure I lift and divide things quite early in the spring because our soil is so light and sandy. Mm. I need to make sure that plants establish and get going quickly before the summer drought or the spring drought, which we've been having, comes along. So for you at Stoneland Soil, I imagine because you've got that heavier clay soil, is that so much of an issue for you? When it comes to you know getting the divisions done and back in the ground, yeah, and it's not too much of a problem. I've got to say, because um, when you dig them up with us, you get a, quite a wad of soil. If in fact they can sit, it's this is not. I wouldn't say this is perfect practice, people at home. But sometimes you dig them up, uh, and with you, you probably have to heal them in if they're not going to go back in quite quickly. With us, you can sort <laughs> of put them on a. We get a bit of tarp. You can put these big wadges of herbaceous plants on the tarp. And then for a few days, you can just put the tarp over the top. And that sort of keeps the moisture in so they, they don't they don't dry it so quickly. It means for us that we don't have to get everything done so, you know, we, we can go through it methodically, get everything out and then start putting things back gradually. Because that process of uh, choosing what goes where, that takes a bit of time. You know, you've got to think about these things because once you put them back, then you have to live with it. You know, you don't want to go back every year and start having to take everything out again. It's not it's not like bedding. It's not, it's not like bedding with herbaceous. You want to make sure they're going in the, the, the right place and, um, the first time and then everything looks good. And then you're doing a bit of tweaking here and there. So yeah, uh, the, the clay does help in that. But then uh, the other thing is that it just takes lots of digging. Yes. <laughs> and I have to, I I have to wait 
until it's dry. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. So um, that's one of our problems. It's quite interesting. One of the great things is I know we've been quite cold, but it is drying out. We haven't had any rain now for about six days, which is good. Mm, and that frost helps, doesn't it, it, to dry the soil? It does, yeah. So that is one of the positive things. But if it, do, if it does get any more rain, then we'll have to wait a bit longer, which is a bit annoying. But... It, it's a good time for planting woody plants, bare roots. So I was just, you know, I was just going to ask you, have you got any bare root ordered? Again, this year I haven't. I've no, I've noticed, and I think I mentioned this earlier on in one of our previous episodes, that my hybrid tea roses at the hall, because of that hot summer, there was lots of dieback, mm. and we have lost because I know we have honey fungus in the garden as well, um, and roses are susceptible to honey fungus. We have lost maybe altogether oh, about ten plants in the hybrid tea beds, but. Normally, I would be buying bare roots to um, to go back into there and restock mm. the beds up. So have you got some bare root on order? I have. But um, yeah, we've got some trees coming. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. We've got some uh, Nissa sylvatica, which is a, a sweet gum, I think, mm. from the USA. I've got a copper beech coming because the owner would like a big oh, copper brilliant. beech. Oh, brilliant. Some lovely specimen yeah, trees. Yeah, some nice specimen trees. Yeah. And also, we're going to uh, put some more stock in the orchard. So uh, plums pears and i'm gonna put i'm gonna put a peach in now i don't think it's gonna work as a standard but i think it's just a bit too cold but i right. think it'll be quite interesting to say look there's a standard peach there because mm. most people grow them on the walls so you never know it might work we'll see we'll you see. never know we might have a summer like last summer and do you know what i noticed that we had two crops of figs on our fig trees last year at the hall right. we actually got the early sort of like summer crop and then we also got the late summer crop so if that can happen who yeah. knows i would imagine you'd be picking i've got this wonderful image of you picking peaches come august and uh the juice dripping down your chin yeah no well be it actually that would be nice but it's nice i i like planting bare roots that a they're a lot easier to plant and I just find they establish a lot better and they're well they're cheaper if you're a budget gardener yeah. always go down the bare root um but you've got about till I would get your if you haven't put your orders in, get them in now. You might there might be less stock because most people put their orders in at the end of autumn. Um, but yeah, get them in and try and get them in before at least March. I don't know. It depends if this weather continues. You've got plenty of time. You, you, I, I, I should say, wait till the ground is defrosted. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be planted into frosted ground. But um, yeah, good time to get your bare roots in. Can I ask you? question about bulbs as Ooh, well go for it i know that people i say are still planting bulbs that would normally be flowering in the bee. and i'll explain why because obviously there's the and this is what we like to try to reveal on the talking heads podcast we've got the professional the ideal way that we do stuff yeah but then there's a reality Absolutely. of the ground being frozen solid in november for um, a good 10 days and then you've got staff away for Christmas holidays you've got as you say heavy rains so you, again you can't dig over a waterlogged soil so the bulb planting season this year was really squeezed and if you didn't manage to get it in in September October early early November you came a cropper yeah and I know there's people still planting spring bulbs now I, I planted tulips today in fact in the oh, right, in wow. the clear out of the potting shed we found a few bags of <laughs> Not just mouldy tulips, but actually tulips in active growth. So um, I, mm. I've stuck them in. Uh, tulips, yeah. You, you know, with this cold weather, a perfect time to do tulips. Um, maybe later, you don't want some of the uh, the early daffs. Uh, we've actually got daffs flowering at the moment. So maybe early daffs is a not, but some of the later daffs, definitely. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it too much, um, getting them in. Um, you probably won't find them for sale anymore unless you... 
in some sort of the the back end of a garden center somewhere but um yeah don't worry don't worry about it too much in, in fact if you're doing containers especially you can you can still get all your um sort of spring display containers planted up quite well right now so i wouldn't worry about that at all that's that's a good one for the future yeah i think do you know what i think bulbs are so forgiving because they are literally a storage mm. organ and they've got all their energy within that bulb and okay it might dry out and they may not have had the chance to make much root growth they probably would have already started making a little bit of root growth in the bags and sh- shooting as well so they're wanting to grow and as soon as you get them in the ground they will they will be fine because like i say they are resilient aren't they unless they've really yeah. really desiccated they are resilient and okay the flowering might be a little bit impeded if the roots have been checked but you know they are they are forgiving so please don't panic if you are looking at your ground frozen solid and you've still got as you say you know late tulips or or um anything else you know alliums still to go in yeah there's pl- plenty of time and and one of the great things about this cold weather and this time of year is is that we have this time to plan i will say get it done now because you'll be surprised middle of feb uh, the light is starting to uh, draw out i've noticed i i i'm now leaving stolen's at 5 and I can still mm. see the car to get into it. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's quite a nice feeling. Um, I know it's cold, but it feels... it. There does feel like a bit of movement. Like I said, there's snowdrops, daffodils starting to appear. I've noticed the buds on a few... Um, what was it today that I noticed? Rosa Banksii, which is a very early flowering rose. I just noticed the buds just starting to uh, appear oh, on right. that. So things are starting to move, and you'll be surprised. By, the, by mid-Feb, or, you know... A few weeks into February, you start thinking, oh, God, things are start. Oh, God, I've really got to start going. So use this time when it's raining, when it's cold, very wisely just to plan. Get all those things that you need into action. Sharpen those tools. Clean down the tractor. I don't know. All those kind of things you can do because soon enough we will be into the grind <laughs> of the garden season. But it's all it's all it's all positive. So uh, enjoy that planning. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Saul, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at HeadGardenLC and you can find Saul on Twitter at GardeningSaul. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter peels back the garden's layers to reveal its bare bones, allowing us to reflect, assess and adjust our intentions. Visits to specialist nurseries, orders with seed merchants and conversations with our employers all drive exciting changes for the year rolling out before us. Emerging snowdrops, swelling buds and strengthening sunlight all indicate that something momentous is about to occur and we'd love to experience that with you. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.